2: Recorded live.
1: (laughs) This is Friday, February 3rd, 2017, and welcome to episode number 286 of the Mothership Broadcast of the WCW US Radio Network right here on talkshow.com, also simulcasting on the live video feature on the Revolution Radio Facebook page. It is, of course, one of the only WCW US Revolution. I'm, of course, once again, Mr. W7US Chad Henshaw back on the line, line here with you as we get ready to bring you another action-packed two hours here of nothing but big-time wrestling talk. Everything surrounding wrestling, past, present, and future, whatever you want to talk about, we will definitely bring it here to you. Of course, here this evening we'll be bringing our wrestling news and news segment. Brought here right now, uh, one of our, like I said, one half of our Hall of Fame news tag team, King Ice, is the Iceman himself, JD Jared DiGirolamo? Of course, JD, in addition to being a 2017 Hall of Famer with King Ice, he's of course a 2015 Hall of Famer by himself. He's also one of the hosts behind WWS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon from 3 to 5 right here on TalkShoot.com. <clears throat> and also, of course, a, of course, a uh, part of all of our other shows here in the radio network as well. Uh, the Human Circus Machine, John Gross, also not yet arrived. He will be coming in here momentarily, so I will be taking care of the rest of the history and birthdays here for today, and we do have some interesting ones, including a couple of interesting birthdays, as a matter of fact, that I will be bringing up here momentarily. In the first this spring, let's bring J.D. in here to the table. Uh, J.D., welcome to number 286 of a very dynamic and revolutionary revolution.
0: It's Super Bowl weekend, but that doesn't stop us at
1: all. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And of course, like I said, more general wrestling discussion at, tacked on with our wrestling news and views and history and birthdays. Hopefully, we'll have some more folks pop on in here uh, as the night progresses. Uh, some some wrestling extras coming your way could be in the form of some more uh, uh, trivia bouts, some uh, um, some uh, you know uh, some fantasy matchups. You never know what we could be doing here. Uh, we do have a special announcement concerning something. Along the lines of wrestling trivia, but we'll be bringing it here too momentarily here as well.
2: And of course, this
1: is normally this one, Keen W.O. Gerard T. Smith. Of course, let's everybody know how he, everyone can pop on. He has not yet arrived, so I'll be taking care of this here for him tonight. If everyone wants to chime in here and uh, join JD and myself, and hopefully some more folks on here tonight here as we talk, talk everything here pro wrestling please feel free to, to give us a call here. It 724 1-724-444-7444. Call ID is one three eight pounds And press that one if you want to chime in on anything that we have to talk about here tonight. And, of course, keep, also keep in mind that uh, during the uh, the broadcast, of course, we can be seen on our on the uh, main page for wWS Revolution Radio, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash WWUS Revolution Radio, where the broadcast is going on live right now, even as we speak. So let's just not waste any time. This is going right on right on into the Wrestling News and views segment. And, of course, like I said, covering the Air Force, one half of our Hall of Fame Tag Team King Ice is the Iceman, J.D. Jared DiGeralimo. J.D., let's see what we have going on on the Wrestling Front today.
0: Kevin Kelly, former WWE announcer, has given up his full-time position with Ring of Honor. According to Mike Johnson, PW Insider, it is reported that Kelly, who worked as a play-by-play voice and had other behind-the-scenes duties, has already completed his office duties, after giving notice. This comes on the verge after Steve Carino and Nigel McGinnis have also left, however, ROH to go to WWE. McGinnis, of course, being one of the new voices of NXT, which I believe he will debut that coming up next Wednesday night, while Carino is now one of the new assistant trainers down there in NXT. Meanwhile, however, Tammy Lynn Sitch, however, has been released from jail, believe it or not, however, as apparently, however, she was let go earlier today. We're going to get that news story here in just a second, so bear with us, however. Uh, I just saw it, so hang in there. We're going to get to it in just a minute. Uh, da, 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 da. It's coming, so bear with us, folks. Uh, I believe she was set to have a hearing in a few weeks, however, I here it is. She was paroled from Carvin County Correction Facility, and her hearing two weeks from today is, uh, for, for probation is being revoked has now been canceled. She and her attorney have seemingly reached an agreement, however, for her release. She will continue her probation, though. However, after an agreement last year, where she pleaded to three, or excuse me, guilty to three, yes, 2015 DUI arrests. Meanwhile, however, a former NFL star, among others, however were are tryout attendees, however, recently at the WWF uh, Performance Center in Orlando, Florida this past week, however. Uh, according to reports, however, from our good friend at 411 Mania, who's given us the scoop on this, we'll get this in a second again. Just bear with me, guys. Uh, okay, here we go. Jeremy Thomas, however, WWE has a new article looking at the attendees of the recent tryout at the WWF Performance Center. The article, which you can see at the link, however, notes that former New York Giants linebacker Isaiah Dan back was among the potential recruits and confirmed that Ter- Teron Beckham and lay tapa were also at the tryouts also among the uh, attendees were the son of head shrinker Samu Lancenoy as well as female kickboxer Katzai cat Kat- 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 Katya Kavella, so Icing that to be fast Russell Spencer charette and the previously reported Nicole Matthews there is no word on yet on whether any of the tryouts were offered contracts, meanwhile. Meanwhile, Brett Hart, however, and a few Brett Hart fans, however, he says he's recovered from his cancer ordeal, however, and is feeling good again. So that is good news to report on the hitman. Uh, let's see here. Just had a second ago. Um okay, here we go. He has recovered from his prostate cancer from prostate cancer surgery, and he spoke with sportsnet that they one hundred percent recovered from the surgery that he had a year ago and urged men to screen for prostate cancer. The hitman simply said, Howard, you know, it's so critical for me to stress that it's just a blood test. you got to go in and get a blood test. If you're a man over four, you need to go in. You don't want to be like my brother Smith, who's a guy that didn't worry about it, and it's too late now. If you got pr- prostate cancer, if you don't catch it early, you could die from it. And if you catch it early, you can live a pretty normal life. I would say I'm pretty close to normal. Hard note that while he is recovered, Howard, his older bird did not get his prostate cancer caught early, and it's now looking at maybe a year to live. His older brother, Smith, was diagnosed with cancer in January of last year. Meanwhile, however, the impact rating, however, health steady, however, mind you, last night, however, despite the fact they were going up against some serious competition for the night. In the end, the impact rating did this on the evening. We'll tell you about it in just a second, the number
2: here. So, give me a second here. I'm just trying to get... They scored, da-da-da-da, uh, a second ago, just a second, okay, I have it right
0: about, it'll be coming up here, so here we go, uh, it remains steady this week, how about edged down just a bit? Thursday's episode brought in a 00, excuse me 007 rating in the 1849 demographic and 299,000 viewers. Those numbers are even with and down 3% from last week's 007 and 307,000 viewers. The Demo rating has been rock in that number, for the last month or so. The viewership, though, was down from the last couple of weeks, but up on the 277,000 on three weeks ago, apparently. Uh, I think that's what it says. Just give me a second here. I'm
2: trying to get this information here, so bear with me, people. Uh. Hold on. I'm coming. I'm coming, people, so bear with me. Uh. Where is it?
0: I just saw it a second ago. Okay, yeah, here it is. Uh, the demo rating from three weeks ago. Impact uh, ranked number 129 among cable originals for the night per show this daily. And according to reports, however, from Tennessee, however, Monday night could be a very interesting night, however, on Raw. However, not only will Bill Goldberg be appearing once again on Monday night Raw from Portland, Oregon, but reports say, however, we could have the next recipient of the WWE Hall of Fame. According to reports, however, sent out in a tweet earlier today, however, Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton could be announced as the next participants of the Hall of Fame as the Rock and Roll Express Express tag team might be going into the Hall of Fame this year in Orlando. Uh, Supposedly, I guess they're going to have some sort of party there Monday night at some restaurant in Tennessee to make the announcement official and telling people to stand by, however, for the big announcement that could be announced at some point during the show Monday night, however. Uh, the uh, in Portland. So uh, as far as tag teams go, it looks like uh, we got our tag team for the year, however, mind you, that could be going into this year's Hall of Fame. And it's Ricky and Robert, the R&R Express. Thank you very
1: much there, uh, J.D. Of course, uh, uh, J.D. along with uh, Keen. Yeah, James here it is. Actually, us.
0: real quick, it says here, sorry, uh, it says it will appear at 50 Sports Tavern in Johnson City, Tennessee on Monday. It says here, however, 50 has announced that a big announcement related to the team will be made at Raw that night as posted in Facebook below. It says, if you're watching wrestling as a kid, you have to remember, however, hold on a second, I just saw it, uh, Rock and Roll Express. Well, Monday night here at 50, however, I just saw it. I just. Well, we'll come back. I'm, I'm going to find that. I just saw it. Hold on. Okay, hold on. Ricky Morton will be here to sign autographs. There is a big announcement that will be made that night on Raw. Be here to watch wrestling. How some wrestling, have a beer and food, and with one of the icons of wrestling at eight p.m. this Monday. So yeah, it looks like the Rock and Roll Express are going in.
1: That's uh, going to be great seeing a, another legendary tag team from the NWA days going into the Hall of Fame this yes. year too. Yes. Very, very, very. Well, the
0: question is, who who's going to induct them? That's the question. Who will be the team? I mean, I don't know. I
1: mean, water <sighs> Warrior Animal, maybe.
0: Yeah, Jim Cornette, All maybe. Things? Paul Paul,
1: English? Paul. Paul, English? Paul English?
0: Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Uh. Yeah, Cornette. Yeah. Cornette had some battles. I mean, we know Cornette and them had some great battles down in mid south and in the NWA. I mean, those that, that was like the the hottest feud of the eighties by far. What about um,
1: what about um, mm-hmm. the one or two members of the Horsemen?
2: You could
0: do Arn Anderson or Ric Flair. Yeah. There you go. Yes, play, you can do Flair or, or then, Sting. Yeah, Sting. Even yeah, Sting was pretty tight with him. Yeah. If you if you have Ric Flair, it would be kind of funny that you can uh, tell Ric Flair uh, and joke with the crowd all of and say to Ricky Morton, "Here's your training bra after 30 years." Because <laughs> I remember when he did that whole thing, however, back in the day. Oh
1: my goodness! Oh my goodness! Well, thank you very much, for JD. Of course, JD along with T. Smith. Is King Ice your premier W S news tag team? They bring you all the news that has fit the print. And of course, it doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit. They always find a way to make it fit. And of course, in GTS's case, he's got the best way possible, and that is, of course, <coughs> that is, of course, super glue and duct tape. Never fit, any older than any better than this. To be. well, let's go ahead and see. Like I so said, he was supposed to machine John Gross. Now hasn't made it to the chat box, but. uh, I've already got the history, so he's already kind of pushed that to me, so I'm going to go ahead, because I already have it up. I'll go ahead and, uh, go ahead and talk about it right here. we got it here for February the 3rd. Let's so see we have it on that. 44 years ago today, we could put it at 1973. Yes, that's right. Okay. All Japan Pro Wrestling joins the National Wrestling Alliance. In becoming the official Japanese promotion of the NWA, All Japan got the benefit of bringing in foreigners with a pedigree to defend their NWA championships, including Dory Funk Jr. and his brother Terry, Neil Masters, Harley Race, and Ric Flair. Giant Baba, All Japan's promoter, often pitted himself against foreign competitors, but the foreigners themselves would gain a following themselves. With the collapse of the territorial system, all Japan left at the NWA in 1989 and began focusing on developing talent in-house. The promotion would rarely do international shows but enjoyed massive critical and financial success in the 1990s. 28 years ago today, which we put it at, let me see here, I want to say 89, that sounds about right, yeah, 89, WFW presented the second edition of yeah, the main, main okay, thank you. Presented the second edition of the main event for the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Get this. A full card was presented for the in-house crowd, but only the final two matches aired on the main event. Here, here. are the dark matches that took place here. Andre the Giant defeated Jake Roberts. The fabulous the fabulous Rujos defeated the Hart Foundation with Brother Love being the special referee. <laughs> okay. The Ultimate Warrior defeated Greg Valentine to retain the Intercontinental title. Demolition defeated the Powers of Pain to retain the WWF Tag Team titles. The Brainbusters defeated the Rockers. Bruce Beefcake and Mr. Perfect fought to a double DQ, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan defeated Dino Bravo in a flag match you are the, the ones that actually did air on on this show, the main event. And I'm sure, JD, this is one moment you remember, and of course I remember this as well. The Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, defeated the Twin Towers, Akeem and the Big Boss Man. During the match, Savage was thrown out of the ring by Akeem onto Elizabeth. Hogan carried Elizabeth backstage. When Elizabeth recovered, Hogan returned to the ring. He eventually got tagged in, but Savage slapped him on the way out. Hogan went on to win the match. Post-match, Savage accused Hogan of trying to steal Elizabeth away from him. Though Hogan tried to convince Elizabeth to to mediate and talk sense into him, it was of no use. Savage hit Hogan with the WWF Championship belt, and all you know what broke loose. Several, Several officials and even Brutus Beefcake Got in the room to try to break up the melee. The fight broke up the mega powers and set up the main event for WrestleMania Five. Yep. That was that would have been eighty nine. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Okay. And also the other match from that, Ted DiBiase defeated Hercules. So there you go for that. Twenty one years ago today, which included put it at nineteen ninety six, in Queens, New York, the Eliminators defeated Catus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck. To win the ECW World Tag Team titles. On that same night, Bam Bam Bigelow, less than a year after many WrestleMania 11, made his ECW debut. Here we go. This is something we've been talking about here pretty much all week long. 17 years ago today, we put it at 2000, the WWF and NBC announced a joint venture to form a new football league, the XFL. <laughs> The league, often mistakenly called the Extreme Football League, the X never officially stood for anything because the original Extreme Football League merged with AF2, the developmental league for real football, without playing a game in 1999. was formed essentially as a spring football league. Hyped as real football but with fewer rules, the game featured microphone players, and coaches during both gameplay and in the locker rooms, scantily clad cheerleaders, oh yeah. <laughs> a no fair catch rule on kickoffs and punts, and a human coin toss, a twenty yard scramble for the football to determine who would have the kickoff option. Vince McMahon commented that the XFL would be the extra fun league as opposed to the NFL being the no fun league. <laughs> okay. As with most startup sports leagues, the league handled salaries, paying quarterbacks, $5,000 a week, kickers, $3,500 a week, and all other uniformed players, $4,500 a week. Huh, that's not bad money.
2: Huh.
1: Unique, to the, unique to the XFL was win-per-game win bonuses. with $2,500 for regular season wins, $7,500 for the playoffs, and about 25,000 for winning the final, dubbed the million-dollar game. Players on the winning team divided the money equally. That made sense, of course. Players received no extra benefits and were responsible for their own health insurance. In addition, players on injured reserve would not receive any pay. Oh, okay. Its emphasis on wrestling star promotion and antics is and subpar football but the teams had just one month of camp before our game kicked off would turn off both wrestling and football fans alike. Football fans hated it due to its pro wrestling connection, i.e., the perception that the games were fixed or scripted. And bad games, sportsbooks often lost money on the games as scoring was not high and gamblers, gamblers often took the under. And wrestling fans hated it because the antics felt out of place in a football game. Hmm. One positive of the XFL was it mainstreamed the use of the SkyCam. A common misconception is that the XFL was the first league to use the SkyCam. This camera was used prior to the XFL's formation, an overhead view of the field, a la the Madden NFL video game series.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Facing a mountain of critical backlash, financial stress, and sagging ratings. NBC pulled their support from the league, and the XFL folded after just one season. A second season could have happened with games on UPN, but Vince McMahon refused to scale back the highly rated SmackDown to 90 minutes. The WWF and NBC lost an estimated $70 million each on the venture. For WWF, it's the biggest financial loss of any outside venture in company history, while WWE hasn't dipped its toes back into football, NBC would get back into the football business with the Arena Football League from 2003 to 2006. Then with the NFL beginning in the fall of 2006, Sunday Night Football in recent years has been the most watched show on primetime television. OSW Review did a retrospective of the NFL, and it's on the page where I'm doing the history right here. And also, ESPN Films recently aired a 3430 30 documentary, Called this wasn't an XFL on 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 this league.
0: Actually, they did it last like... night. That it aired and actually did pretty well with the viewership. I was reading it grossed over. Hmm. When I saw, let just see it nine hundred and seventeen thousand viewers last night. Huh.
1: And, also and the Depper, in
0: fact, Dick Ebersol's son, I think it was Chris. However, was the director and producer
1: of that show. Let's see, and also the trailer for that that JD is referring to is also on the same page where I'm reading the history. Sixteen years ago today, I would put it at 2001, exactly one year to the date of the announcement of the formation of the, NXF, of the XFL, the XFL played its opening game. The NBC nation, national game coming just a week after Super Bowl 35, was between the New York hitmen and the Las Vegas outlaws. I remember the that outlaws. game
0: was on NBC.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. The outlaws, thanks in part to the dealers-of-whom defense, giving up just 205 yards of offense, shut out the hitmen, 19-0. to zero.
2: Huh.
1: Yep. The other game that night, putting the Chicago Enforcers and the Orlando Rage, saw the Rage hang on to a 33-29 victory. The games noted for Orlando's Hashid Sh- Shamsid Dean, separating his left shoulder in the game's opening scramble for the ball, was a given that replaced the coin toss. Okay. NBC's debut broadcast, which featured most of the hit men outlaws game, got a 9.5 Nielsen rating and 15.7 million viewers made it the most watched show that night. But as reviews came in, the bottom would quickly fall out for NBC. The league lost half its audience a week later and had its national game the Los Angeles Extreme versus the Chicago Enforces Enforcers going to double overtime, moving a Jennifer Lopez-hosted Saturday Night Live back only 45 minutes, and it would never recover. From then on, all XFL broadcasts had a hard out at 11 p.m. Eastern, regardless of whether the game was finished or not. Before the season was out, an NFL telecast drew the lowest ever rating, not just for a first-run primetime sports show, but for any first-run show in the history of primetime network television. 13 years ago today, we put it in 2004, at a SmackDown taping in Cleveland, Ohio, Rikishi and Scotty Tuhati defeated the Basham Brothers to win the WWE Tag Team Championship. And here's one of the birthdays here we got on tap here, uh, J.D. You might find this very interesting. I I heard about this here earlier today. It's a happy 57th birthday to Frederick Gennetti.
0: Marty's
1: 57 today. 57, yes. Holy cow, happy birthday to him. <laughs> absolutely. I think some of the people on Facebook is that I started wishing him happy birthday. I think I saw one from Boris Zukov saying happy birthday, old-timer, or something like that. That's what I saw earlier. But here's some history on Marty. Born in Columbus, Georgia, Jannetty was an accomplished two-sport athlete while in high school, winning Golden Gloves events in boxing and competing in the state tournament in wrestling for three consecutive years. Gennady would be a two-time NJCAA qualifier when he wrestled for Chattahoochee Valley Community, Community College in Alabama. He went to Auburn with the intention of wrestling, but the school dropped their football program before his arrival. He wanted to give football a shot, but was taught out of it by Jerry Oates. Genetti turned to wrestling instead. Marty began his career wrestling in the Kansas City territory of the National Wrestling Alliance. He teamed with Bulldog Bob Brown, Dave Peterson, and formed the Uptown Boys with Tommy Rogers. It was while in Kansas City he found his most famous partner, another rookie, in Shawn Michaels. The two became the Midnight Rockers and would quickly find success winning the Central States Tag Team Championship. Also in his rookie year, he took on Tiger Mask II who was was really Nisaru Misawa and even challenged Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Mm. I did not not know that. In 1986, the Midnight Rockers joined the AWA. Their athleticism and good looks proved to be a hit with audiences. They would win the AWA World Tag Team titles twice and the Southern Tag Team Championship twice before leaving for the WWF in 1988. Their popularity would translate very easily when they joined the WWF for a second time. They were there briefly in 1987, but was fired less than a month in for excessive partying in June. <laughs> in June, of course, they joined in June of 1988. The duo, now known simply as the Rockers, was feud with the likes of Demolition, the Hart Foundation, and the Brainbusters. In October 1990, the Rockers would win the WWF Tag Team Championship, but sort of. The match was taped and everything. Jim Neidhart, one half of the Hart Foundation, was in the process of being released from the WWF, necessitating the title change. But ultimately, Neidhart agreed to stay with the WWF, and the belts were returned to the Hart Foundation. To cover for this, WWF, WWF explained that during one of the falls of the title match, one of the turnbuckles collapsed. Okay. In December was 19- the one that
0: collapsed? Mm-hmm. Who was, was the one that collapsed, though?
1: They were trying to explain about... Uh, let, me, let, me read that. let me read that whole part again um, about that. In October 1990, the Rockers would win the WWF Tag Team Championship, but sort of. The match was taped and everything. Oh, yeah, the ring collapsed. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll just read this again. Jim Neihard, one half of the Hart Foundation, was in the process of being released from the WWF, necessitating the title change. But ultimately, Neidhart agreed to stay with the WWF, and the belts were returned to the Hart Foundation. And to cover for this, WWF explained that during one of the falls of the title match, one of the turnbuckles collapsed. Okay, yeah, that's what that was. In December 1990, Janetta used his rocker dropper on Chuck Austin. Because Austin did not take the belt flat and tuck his head in, Austin's neck was instantly broken leaving him paralyzed. Austin would sue Janetti Michaels, and Titan Sports, and he would win. In 1994, a jury awarded Austin $26.7 million in damages. Damn. <laughs> yeah. At Survivor Series in November 1991, Janetti accidentally kicked Michaels in the face. The move was intended for one of the Nasty Boys. The errant kick resulted in Michaels' elimination from the match. The partners got into a screaming match. The mistakes piled up. The scene too would hash out the differences during an interview segment on the barber shop with Brutus Beefcake. Well, not exactly. Michaels kicked Jeanette in the face, threw, threw him through him to the set's window, offic- officially severing the team. The team and he caught him too, to- actually. Yeah, I heard about. Oh, I'm. I so there was about some,
0: if you remember watching the video again, there were marks over his hand, around his eye. I think a piece of glass, a couple, a couple pieces of glass, went in his eye and. He was bleeding pretty profusely, I remember that night.
1: i remember never heard about that. The two were set to feud through WrestleMania 8, but in January 1992, Gennetti was convicted on charges of attacking a police officer and sentenced to six months' house arrest. Marty would be released in March 1992. In the interim, Gennetti joined the USWA. He eventually wrestled as a heel there and feuded with Jerry Lawler.
0: I did see some of that footage I remember from the USWA.
1: I remember that, yeah. He returned to the WWF in October to confront Shawn. I was about to hit him with a mirror, but instead hit Sherry when Shawn pulled her in front. Ooh. The two fought for the Intercontinental Championship at the three Royal Rumble as Michaels retaining thanks to er- errant interference by Sherry. The feud was set to continue through WrestleMania 9, but Janetti allegedly wrestled under the influence of alcohol and over drugs in the bout. Leads Marty to be released yet again. Genetti, to this day, denies that claim and says the rumor was started by Shawn Michaels. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: I'm so sure.
1: With some, with some convince, uh, now, I, uh, now, this is interesting. I did not know this either. With some convincing from Kurt Henning, Marty returned to the WWF in May of 1993 as a surprise challenger for Shawn Michaels' Intercontinental title. This time, Marty would win it. He didn't hold it long. Char- Sean, does- Sean wanted back just three weeks later with help of Michael's new bodyguard, Diesel.
2: Hmm.
1: After br- Kurt Henning was able to get him his job, that, 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 that's something right there.
0: And if I'm I remember sure, correctly, yeah. Henning and Sean fought on Raw, America because there was a lot of tension between those two at one point.
1: Uh, I've heard something about that.
0: Yeah.
1: After briefly feuding with Blink the Clown, Jannetty formed a makeshift duo with the 1 two, 3 kid in November. The duo won the WWF Tag Team Championship from the Quebecers in January 1994. They would lose him just a week later back to the Quebecers. Marty would soon disappear from WWF programming in the run up to WrestleMania 10. Around that time, the case involving Charles Austin was heard. Marty left the mainstream wrestling scene until resurfacing almost a year later in ECW. I know that Marty had a brief, Marty had a brief stint in ECW in 1995. In his debut in February, he unsuccessfully challenged Shane Douglas for the ECW World Heavyweight Title, but would defeat him in a non-title match two months later. He unsuccessfully challenged for the World ECW Television Title, but was defeated by Eddie Guerrero in May. He also challenged the Sandman for the ECW Title in July, but lost. His final match was a double DQ against Jim Neidhart, took place just a week later. In September, Marty once again rejoined the WWF. Despite the bad blood between the former Rockers, Marty wrestled as a face, Shawn face earlier in the year. He teamed with Razor Ramon and duty with Psycho Sid and the 123 Kid before turning heel himself in February 1996. He teamed with Leif Cassidy, who, of course, we all know as Al Snow. Is that right?
0: Yeah.
1: As the new Rockers, However, success was limited for the duo, and Marty left the WWF following that year's Survivor Series. After a brief stint for Ultimate Championship Wrestling in New York, Genetti joined WCW in 1998, which I had no idea about that. He only wrestled eight months for the promotion before suffering a shoulder injury. He was released while in recovery in March 1999. He made a one-off return to ECW in 2000, They stayed on the independent circuit until resurfacing again in 2005. The Rockers had a one-shot reunion in March 2005, defeating La Resistance. Marty scored the winning following that match with the Rocker dropper. The next night, Marty would challenge Kurt Angle. Uh, Angle defeated Gennady in what turned out to be a very competitive match. Marty was signed to a WWE deal soon after the match, but after being arrested for a domestic disturbance, forcing him to miss some TV tapings. Marty was released in July. Marty returned in February 2006 in a run-in to save Shawn Michaels from the Spirit Squad. Marty was, offered, Marty was offered a contract, but only on the condition that he joined the miserable Man Kiss My AWS Club. Oh, crap. Marty refused the next week. Vince did force Marty to take the Chris Masters Master Law Challenge. Janetti was on the verge of breaking the hole, but was low-blowed by Vince McMahon. Shawn Michaels ran in to make the save, only for Shane McMahon to knock him out on the steel chair. This led to a Rockers versus McMahon's feud, but Janetti missed the taping and was let go again. Oh, boy, boy. He just
0: can't, he, boy, he just can't catch a break, can
1: he? No, we cannot. Jannetty rejoined the WWE in September to work with the younger talent and could have been granted full-time deals as if they performed their duties well. Jannetty was released again just two weeks later. Marty denied the rumors on his MySpace page, but both WWE Magazine and Jim Ross on his blocking from the firing in in December, saying it was a court order in Florida that prevented him from leaving the state that led to his release. Marty would make one-off appearances for WWE in December 2007 and October of 2009. Jannetty's most recent recent appearances have been for Chicara. Marty worked as a trainer, manager, of course, for the team, the Young Bucks, and a wrestler. At the 2012 King of Trios, Gennady teamed with his old partner, the One Two Three kid, to win the annual tag team gauntlet match. Late in the year, they earned their third point. Ricky said that three consecutive wins is required to challenge for a title on Jakarta, enabling them to challenge for the Chakarra Doubles Championship, but they would lose to the Young Bucks. In July, oh my, oh, holy crap. In July 2016, Jannetty was named as part of a class action lawsuit against WWE alleging the promotion concealed the risk of head and brain injuries during his time there.
2: Hmm. And we
1: have another birthday, another, a legendary birthday, too, as a matter of fact. It is a happy 76th birthday to Dorrance Ernest Funk Jr., or simply put, Dory Funk Jr. Born in Hammond, Indiana. Huh, That's it. Funk began wrestling in 1963 after a stint playing college football for West Texas State University, which is now known today as West Texas A&M. His debut match was a win over Don Fargo. Funk had college teammate Jerry Logan in his corner. Dory's great, greatest success would come in the NWA using a variety of suplexes, forearm uppercuts, and leg locks one of which the Texas his quarterly, which he invented, Funt defeated Gene Kandinsky for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in February of 1969. He would go on to hold that title, J.D., for the next 1,563 days, the second, <laughs> longest, the second longest uninterrupted championship reign in NWA history. Luke Bez still holds the record, holding the title from November 49 to March of 56 before losing the title to Harley Race. Jack Briscoe was intended to be the man to defeat Dory Jr. for the title, but Dory Sr. told the NWA board of directors he would not lose to a fellow face. Terry Funk would win the NWA world title in December 1975 of Jack Briscoe, making Terry and Dory Funk Jr. the only brothers to hold the NWA's top prize. Eventually, Dory Jr. himself worked as a heel, particularly in the Mid-Atlantic and in the Ontario regions, he was a face most everywhere else, especially in Georgia, Florida, and the Central States. He also had many tours of Japan, including most notable bouts against Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, Abdullah the Butcher, and The Sheet. Dory and Terry joined the WF in 1986. Dory Jr. was renamed Hoss Funk. The most notable bout was at WrestleMania 2 when they defeated the team of the Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana. I do remember that match. Yes. Terry left the WWF following the event, but Dory stuck around and would team with Jimmy Jack Funk, no relation. In reality, he was played by Jesse Barr, son of promoter Sandy Barr, and older brother of the late Art Barr.
0: He was also in, if you remember, Starcade 84.
1: Okay, that's right. In 1993, Dory wrestled Nick Bockwinkle, to a draw at WCW Slam 93: A Legends Reunion. Dory's last notable appearance in the WWE or WWF, whatever you want to call it, came in 1996 when he was a participant in the Royal Rumble match. He lasted just under 11 minutes before being eliminated by Salvio Vega. These days, Dory runs his own wrestling school, the Funkin Conservatory, based out of Oklahoma, Florida. Notable alumni include, get this, this is a who's who here. You have to do this, JD. Kurt Angle, The Hardys, Mickey James, Steve Carino, Edge, Christian, Gail Kim, and I said Steve Carino, and Lita. Hmm. The school runs a weekly wrestling show Bang TV with Dory's second wife, Marty, producing and taping the show.
0: I've been trying to get him actually on Raw Radio, believe it or not, to tell some stories however, because
1: I'm Oh,
0: we love, we it, love I'm going to try, try to get him on there sooner or later, but it's been tough because I know he's so busy with the score here, but it would be nice to get him on the
1: show. We well, love, would love to have that. That would be great, J.D. Thank you very much. Uh, <clears throat> let me see what else we got on paper. George finally called into a career in March of 2008 when he and Osamu Nishimura defeated Tenru and Masanobu Fuki I don't want to say... <laughs> I don't you got want...
0: Henry, right, because
1: it's yeah birthday. I th- I th- that's the best way to pronounce it. Yeah, Fuki, there you go. He yeah. had a few one-offs since, mainly for All Japan Pro Wrestling, wrestling as recently as March of 2015, just a month after his 74th birthday. In October 2013, Dory was named the chairman of the Pacific Wrestling Federation, which is the governing body for All Japan Pro Wrestling. Hmm. Dory is twice married. His first ma- marriage to Jimmy lasted for just over 23 years, from 1960 to 1983. The couple had three children and five grandchildren. Hmm. He currently is he's currently married to Marty. The couple have been married since 1989, and they have two children together. Dory is a member of the inaugural Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame class since 1996. He's also a member of the International Wrestling Hall of Fame's Pro Wrestling Wing in 2011, the NWA Hall of Fame in 06, the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in 05, the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame in 08, Stampede Wrestling Hall of Fame, and WWE Hall of Fame in 2009. In 2014, 2014, Dory Jr. received the Stanley Weston Award from Pro Wrestling Illustrated for his lifetime contributions to professional wrestling.
0: And there you have it there. I actually have two more uh, things to report real quick. Uh, We understand there's one more birthday that uh, we did not touch upon. It is Haku turns 58. And tragically on this date, uh, today, it would have been Kerry Von Erich's birthday today. He was born February Um, third, 1960. He took his own life two weeks later after his 33rd birthday with a gunshot wound, as we all know, to the chest because of what had happened. With
2: his uh, trouble in the
1: mid nineties, if you will. Yeah, of course, of course, like I said, one members of the legendary Von Eric family, right there. Of course, uh, of course, his daughter would go. His daughter would uh, would go on later on to uh, uh, do some uh, do some wrestling there as, as well in uh, <clears throat> in uh, TNA for a little bit. more I think she is. I don't think she's really doing anything. I wrestling. Actually, but... she's
0: been wrestling for a while. Yeah.
1: By to me. I mean, of course, we were all talking talk about you. He would have been, been today...
0: Let's see. I think he would have been... Let's say, they say he was, uh, hold on, so he was born in 1960. He would have been today... 57
2: years old today. Oh, my goodness.
0: So, there you go. And, That's course, the I, thing think my- and I think he'd be in his career... At like 19 or 20, like in the late 70s, early 80s, when he was still in college at the university. of He was a big discus drawer we know, and, of course, we know about his brother and everything like that, and they did uh, their thing and this and that nature.
1: All right. All right. So thank you very much there, J.D., for that. Thank you for that as well. Uh, like you said, of course, uh are <clears throat> of course, simulcast, of course, not only, like I said, uh, via TalkShoot.com, but, of course, we are also now still on... Um, we are now on. Like I said, uh, uh, like I said, the uh, live video feature on Facebook, uh, through the Revolution Radio Facebook page. So, so by all means, like I said, join us here if you, like I said, you want to chime in on anything we have to talk about here on uh, Revolution Episode 286, 1724-444-7444, Call ID One Three Eight Zero Five Five Pound. Press. Uh, Definitely press that one here and join us here this, this evening. Of course, I am Mr. WS. Chad Henshaw once again. Joining me here live with me is the Iceman himself, J.D., Jerry DiGirolamo. Of course, <clears throat> uh, of course, he is, of course, a dual Hall of Famer, now a 2015 and 17 WWS Hall of Famer, as well as, of course, <clears throat> uh, the one of the hosts behind WWS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon from 3 to 5 right here on TalkShoot.com. On the chat box tonight here as well, we have the Human suplex Machine, John Gross, <clears throat> who is of course the first 2016 WWU US Hall of Famer, and also of course part of the Raw Radio Broadcast Team as well. Well, let's see what we have on tap right here. And let's see here. Well, normally, like I said, we would like to include to include GTS Gerard T. Smith in this but he has not yet uh he has not yet uh um he has not yet over, he is not yet arrived and we're hoping that everything is okay with King and W O here. Uh, but uh but what we'll go ahead and do is like I said, I mean myself and J D and John I'm sure we we can do like a little bit of uh wrestling trivia here, but we've we got some time here. And, uh... Ooh, so I, I actually found one here that I went ahead and, uh... Uh... Here we go. We'll, we'll give this a whirl right here. This is, uh, the WWF in 1987 is the category. Ooh, there's a lot that came out of
0: 87.
1: Yes. So... This will time, this will definitely will definitely quiz JD and John on this and uh, and of course like I said this is of course is when uh, we'll get the answers after the sh- after the, all the questions have been asked um, so I do wish JD and John both good luck on this as well uh, so this is 15 questions there guys also, on everything that happened in WVF in 1987 of course I will ask. I will ask this. So. And the average score is 7 out of 15. So maybe we we'll would do a little bit better than that. So, uh, J.D. and John, if you both are ready, we will go ahead and proceed.
2: All right. All right, John, are you ready to go, sir? Okay, and here we go here. <clears throat> In January,
1: excuse see me, there. Okay, in January 1987, Ricky Steamboat returned to the ring after suffering a crushed larynx at the hands of Macho Man Randy Savage. The Dragon made his return by defeating this famous mid-1980s jobber. Who was he? Was it Iron Mike Sharp? Barry O? Tiger Chun Lee? or Steve Lombardi,
2: J.D.? Steve Lombardi. And John? Those are saying Steve Lombardi. We'll go ahead and say this right here. Question
1: number two. In February 1987, Hercules Hernandez, now managed by Bobby DeBrain-Heenan, began a lengthy feud with Billy Jack Haynes. The feud centered on which of the two muscular athletes was the master of a certain submission hold. What was this hold? Was it the Full Nelson, the Boston Crab, the Bear Hug, or the Figure Four Leg Loss?
0: What is the Full Nelson?
1: Don't worry about it. It's not Jeopardy. You don't have to do it that Uh way. But I'm going to try to find some more of those at some point. Feb- Question number three. In February 1987, Adrian Adonis was paired with Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine in a televised six man tag team match. During the bout, Adrian made a huge mistake and accidentally cut some of Beefcake's hair. Who did Adonis, Valentine, and Beefcake face in this match? Was it the Drinkyard Dog and the Killer Bees, Lanny Parfo and the Can Am Connection, Ricky Steamboat and the Rougeos? or Hillbilly Jim and the British Bulldogs, oh, uh, J.D.? I'm
0: going to say A on this one.
1: You're going to say J.Y.D.
2: and the Bs, okay? And, John, what do you say? You're also going to say A, okay? Brother, am both the Junkyard Dog and the killer bees, okay?
1: Question number four. In early 1987, a muscular, no-nonsense duo called Demolition made their debut, and began to destroy the opposition. What obnoxious manager was responsible for bringing his legendary tag team to the WWF? Was it Jimmy Hart, Johnny Valiant, Slick, or Bobby Heenan? J.D.?
0: Johnny Valiant.
2: And John? Johnny, uh- uh, John's also saying Johnny B. All right, here we go. Question number
1: five. At WrestleMania 3, in one of the night's many tag team contests, the Killer Bees faced the team of Nikolai Volkoff and the Iron Sheik. The decision was very uncharacteristic as it was the face team of the Bees that lost by DQ. Why were they disqualified? Was it A? Hacksaw Jim Duggan hit Volkov with a 2x4? B, Hacksaw Jim Duggan hit the sheet with a two-by-four. C, the bees used their mask and the referee caught them making the illegal changes. Or D, Jim Brunzel mistakenly punched the referee.
2: J D. B. D. B. And B. And John. Okay, question number so We are... One-third of the way through here, guys. Question number six.
1: In another tag match at WrestleMania three, Jacques and Ramon Rougeau lost to Greg Valentine and Burgess Beefcake in what would be their last match together. At the bout's conclusion, Beefcake was ousted and replaced by this veteran star. Who took Beefcake's spot in the Dream Team? Was it Ravishing Rick Rude, Adorable Adrian Adonis, Dino Bravo, or Playboy Buddy Rose, J.D.?
0: Dino
2: Bravo. And John? John also says, be no bravo. Question number seven. One of the featured grudge
1: matches on the WrestleMania 3 card saw the vile honky tonk man battle Jake the St. Roberts. In order to combat the presence of honky ton's pesky manager, Jimmy Hart, Jake was accompanied by a famous heavy metal rocker. Who was it? Was it Alice Cooper? Slash Ozzy Osbourne or Angus Young, A D. Alice Cooper. And John and John also says Alice. All right, right off the bat. In the spring of nineteen eighty seven, former WWF intercontinental champion Ken Patera returned to the company after a two year absence. Why was he gone for two years? Was it A he was serving a jail sentence? B he was recovering from a serious illness, C he was wrestling in another promotion or D, he was tending to his alien parents? J.D.
0: He was serving a two-year jail sentence for his incident with Mazda Saito.
1: And Giles said the same thing, so jail sentence, okay? Question number nine. Shortly after his return, Ken Patera injured Bobby Heaton's neck, forcing him to wear a neck brace. In an act of revenge, Heaton had some of his goons flog Patera on national television. Which and family members did this to Patera? Was it Andre, Paul Orndorf and the Islanders, B, Hercules, Harley Race, and the Islanders, C, Paul Orndorff, Harley Race, King Kong Bundy, and Hercules, or D, King Kong Bundy, Rick Rude, Harley Race, and Andre
2: the Giant? J.D. A. And A. And John. John, okay, you said, J.D., you said A, and John has actually said C. Uh,
1: mm.
0: We'll let it go from there. Mm-hmm. We'll
1: let it go from there. Okay, so you want, so, sorry. I'm still so, sold on my answer. You're still here. You want to stick with your answer? Hmm. Uh, John, are you going to stick with your answer?
2: I'll have to choose one of the two, and I can't leave it blank. I don't have I don't have anyone to type. It.
1: And John's sticking with his. Okay. Okay, we'll do this, and whichever one I land on here, we we will take that one. So, for John and JD, please forgive me here. Whichever one I choose,
2: and we choose. We go with J.D.'s answer. We say A. So.
1: And we'll see what that answer is right there right after we get done with the with the uh, questions. During the spring and summer of 1987, a masked duo wrestled as jobbers to the stars. They did not last very long and were gone by the fall. What was this team known as? Were they known as the Gladiators, the Shadows, the Barbarians, or the Maniacs? J.D. What
0: are the choices again?
1: The gladiators, the shadows, the barbarians, or the maniacs?
0: The maniacs.
2: Maniacs. And John. John's also going with the maniacs, okay? Question number
1: 11. In the summer of 1987, Former WF Heavyweight Champion Superstar Billy Graham made his return after hit replacement surgery. His comeback was short-lived, but soon took on the managerial role for this long-time who had just turned face. Who was it? Was it Paul Orndorff, Don Morocco, Ken Patera, or Jake Roberts? J.D.?
0: I am going to uh, say it, I know who it was, obviously. It was the magnificent one, Don Morocco.
1: Okay. And John also says, Don, right? There you go. All right. Question number 12. In December of 1987, the WF introduced an enforcer who would serve in a referee capacity. This enforcer promised to maintain order, but his stint lasted just two months. Who was he? Was it Chuck Norris, Bruce Willis, Mr. T, or Arnold Schwarzenegger? J.D.? What was the question again? In the summer of 1987, the WWF introduced an enforcer who would serve in a referee capacity. Okay. This enforcer promised to maintain order, but the stint just lasted two months.
0: I'm going to say Schwarzenegger.
1: I'm going to say Schwarzenegger and John. John says Mr. T. Okay, we'll do it this way. We've got to go between Mr. T. and Arnold here. Uh... JD, pick a number between one and five.
0: Uh
1: three.
2: John, pick a number. J D got on the nose, it was three. So we're going to go along with all of them. Question number thirteen, in September
1: nineteen eighty seven. Nikolai Volkov joined a fellow Russian star, and the two dubbed themselves the Bolsheviks. Who teamed with veteran Volkov in, his, in this tag team? Was it Ivan Kolov, Sobat Usinov, Nikita Kolov, or Boris
2: Zukov? J.D.? Boris Zukov And John? and also says Zukov. All right. Question number 14. On November 26, 1987,
1: the first annual Survivor Series took place. One of the matches saw Randy Macho Man Savage lead a five-man team against one led by WWF Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man. In the end, the Honky Tonk found himself alone against three opponents. Who were the three? Was it? Randy Savage, Jake Roberts, and Ricky Steamboat. B, Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, and Brutus Beefcake. C, Randy Savage, Brutus Beefcake, and Jake Roberts. Or D, Randy Savage, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and Jake Roberts. J.D.?
0: It was Ricky Steamboat, Beefcake, and Savage.
1: Okay. Okay, so you're saying Savage,
2: Steamboat, and Beefcake. Yes. Good. And John? Steamboat Savage and John says
1: Steamboat Savage and Roberts. Let's do this again. Say one,
2: say Yeah, that's We'll go along with Savage
1: Steamboat and you can't. who. We'll, we'll check out the right answer here in just a minute. Final question, guys. In December 1987, WF held its second annual Slammy Awards. From the onset, two superstars who were in a bitter feud began a brutal brawl which literally lasted the entire show. Who were these men? Was it Randy Savage and the Honky Top Man, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Harley Race, Don Morocco and Bush Reed, or Hulk Hogan and the One-Man Gang? J.D.?
0: I'm gonna say uh one man game in the Hulkster.
1: Okay, and and, uh, and John says Jim Duncan and Harley Race. Uh
2: J D are you sticking with your answer? Yes. John, are you sticking with yours? Okay, okay. Hmm. Okay. All right, this time I got uh, Duggan and Race, so
1: we'll go along with that, and we'll see what happens here, guys. This. Whatever. Let's hope everybody uh, does, does well here. Let's see how we did. Question number one, Ricky Steamboat returned after being hurt by Randy Savage. He faced this 1980s jobber. Both of you, J.D.U. and John, says Steve Lombardi. It was Barry O. Ooh. On a statement of Superstars Arrested, Ricky Steamboat made his triumphant televised return and defeated Barry O. An interesting fact on Barry O., he is the younger brother of the famous cowboy, Bob Orton. His real name is Mary Orton. And despite his father and brother's tremendous success, his career was done by 1988. I hate that, that his didn't last as, as long as...
0: Well, he was from Las Vegas and that I remember.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hate that that didn't, that didn't last that long, though. That's, that's a darn shame. That is a darn shame. Okay, let's see how... That, oh, let me go back to this. Question number two. Yes, it was indeed the full Nelson that Hercules and Billy Jack Haynes was fighting over. matter of fact, of course, we saw that... Here we go. Shortly after joining forces with Heenan, the late Hercules, Hernandez abandoned his trademark backbreaker submission in favor of the full Nelson. Immediately, the cocky duo of Hernandez and Heenan laid down the gauntlet for Haines. After, after the two attacked him on television, a feud was started... WrestleMania three the two battled to in an inconclusive double count out in the only match of the card which saw a wrestler bleed. Yes. Well I think Hercules nailed Billy Jack with his uh chain, if I'm not mistaken, after that. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh the six man tag here, uh Adrian Adonis and the uh dream team. Uh who do they face? Y'all said the Junkyard Dog and the Killer Bees. It was Lanny Poffo and the Can-Am Connection. Adonis would face Rowdy Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 3 in a match where the loser would have his head shaved. In the week leading up to the match, Adrian began to bring shears to the ring and clip, and clip the locks of defeated opponents. Late in the match, Adrian grabbed his shears and attempted to cut the locks of one of the opponents. Unfortunately, it was Beefcake who was in the corner and lost some hair. At WrestleMania 3, Beefcake got his revenge when he helped Piper win first win the bout and then shear off Adrian's golden locks. So that's how that happened because that's what that's why Beefcake came and helped Piper. Okay. I did not know that. Question number four. Demolition was brought to the WWF by Johnny Valiant. Yes. Hmm. Well many of have remember the devious Mr. Fuji as the manager of Axis Smash. Demolition. The duel was briefly managed by luscious John Valiant. In March 1987, Valiant sold the contract's match and smashed to Fuji, who had managed him until November 1988. Mr. Fuji also briefly returned as Demolition's manager in early 1991. By that time, Axe had been replaced with Crush. I remember that, too. Question number five. Uh, there was, in fact, Axe saw Jim Duggan hitting the sheet with a two-by-four. That's why the Killer Bees lost to Volkoff and the Sheik. remember that? Question number six. Yes, Dino Bravo did replace uh, um, Beefcake in that. Uh, and I bet they eventually formed a new tag team called Dream Team 2, I think it was. What it was called. Question number seven. Yes, uh, Alice Cooper did, of course, accompany Jake Roberts to the ring in his match against Honky Top Man at WrestleMania 3. Question number eight, uh, why was Kim Patera gone for two years from the WWF? The, the, the it was because he was serving a jail sentence. Yes, this is the incident right here. The former Olympian Ken Patera was serving a two-year two-year jail term, which stemmed from a May 1984 incident where he and Mr. Saito threw a boulder through the window of the McDonald's that refused him service. To make matters worse, Saito and Patera then brought with the state troopers that were sent to their motel room. The fact that Patera was incarcerated for two years would play out in his return storyline. Hmm. Question number nine. Uh, of course, who, which members of the Heaney family t- attacked Patera? I think you and JD, uh, You and John, J.D., said Andre, Paul Orndorff, and the Islanders. Yes. The answer was Paul Orndorff, Harley Race, King Tom Bundy, and Hercules. After completing his two-year jail term, Patera made his comeback, but was I read that manager Bobby DeBray Heenan had abandoned him for that time. In two years, Heenan never visited,
2: never wrote, and
1: neglected to look after Patera's wife and children. Elizabeth Patera confronted Heenan on television and, and two had a physical altercation which left Bobby severely injured. In retaliation, Heenan had his family members of Orndorff, Race, Dundee, and Hernandez Attacking with the terror with a leather strap on television. Yes. Uh, That masked duo wrestled as Jumpers to the Stars in the spring and summer of 87. Y'all said the maniacs. It was the Shadows.
2: Hmm. Wearing gray and
1: black jumpsuits and masks, the Shadows wrestled as enhancement talent from May 1987 to August 1987 on weekly telecast and house shows. They routinely lost to the Killer Bees, the Rougeau Brothers, and the Young Stallions. Question number 11, of course, Superstar Billy Graham made his return to, he came out to manage Don Morocco. Question number 12, there was an in the summer of 87. Uh, we went along with your answer, J.D. You said Arnold. John was right. It was Mr. T. Oh, I didn't Many people remember Mr. T from the two previous hits in 85 and 86, where he competed in WrestleMania and WrestleMania II. Very little is ever mentioned about his brief role as an enforcer referee during the summer of 1987. With his television series, The 18, now finished, Mr. T had more time to devote to other projects. The wheels were in motion for the face Mr. T to have a feud with former heel referee Danny Davis. But despite a few altercations, no match ever took place. Mr. T was gone by September of
2: 1987.
1: Hmm. Number 13, yes, it was Boris Zukov who helped Volkov form the Bolsheviks.
2: Uh, let me see here. Uh, uh, who were the final three in the, survivor, the annual survivor series that Hong Tall Man?
1: found himself alone with. Uh, John was right again. It was Savage, Jake Roberts, and Ricky Steamboat. The unique aspect of the Spiral Series was displayed in his very first match ever as the process, the process of elimination that hated Honky Tall Man, found himself in a three-on-one disadvantage, intercontinental champion Honky, found himself alone facing the trio Randy Savage, Jake Roberts, and Ricky Steamboat. Not only did this trio possess incredible talent but they all had a gripe with honky-tonk. Rather than continue to take a ferocious pounding, honky-tonk, at the advice of his manager, Jimmy Hart, opted to be intentionally counted out. And question number 15, <clears throat> the Siamese Awards uh, that two Superstars brawled throughout the entire Siamese Awards in December 87, it was Hacksaw, Jim Duggan and Harley Race. The night started right off with a bang when Hacksaw Jim Duggan had to present his nemesis, Harley Race, with the Slammy for best dressed. Race and his manager, Bob Eaton tried to make Duggan bow to the Monarch, and the fight was on.
2: Duggan and Race literally
1: fought in the electrical room, the washrooms, and the catering hall. This was absolutely hilarious and remains funny to this day. Well, he, he did better today, you he get
2: 9 out of 15 for us? There you go. But not too bad, not too bad. So let's see how we. uh let's show here, let's see here. Uh, Well, let's um. Uh, well,
1: a couple of my my tip of your fancy here, JD. Either WWE WWE Men Moves and Mom- and Moments, or the WWE Draft from 2010.
0: What was it again? The first one.
1: WWE Men Moves and Moments. I'm gonna go with that one. You like that one? Okay. Fifteen questions. Some tough questions there. But let's see how we do here with that right here.
2: And 7 out of 15. So uh, the average score for this. So we'll... Uh, and John has also said he would take care of this as well. He would like to do this
1: too. So we'll go ahead and do this. Let's see how this goes. Sir. Good luck here, gentlemen. 15 questions. What is the real name of the giant known as the Big Show? Was Paul
2: it White. Paul? Is it? Good Lord, man! <laughs> uh, and John, Betty did didn't. He, did, did he said, "Paul White." Is that? Do you go along with that, or do you have another answer?
1: I think John has had a problem with his uh, chat box. But we'll go ahead and go through these questions. JD, you know that. Oh, I'll just kind of quiz you on it right here. So. But we'll go ahead and say Paul White. Question number two What is the real name of WWE, WWE and TNA superstar Hulk Hogan? Gene Balea.
0: Terry Gene Balea.
1: Okay. Question number three. What was and- Andre the Giant's actual last name? Rosmanoff. Repeat that again.
0: Rosmanoff.
1: Isn't that? Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to the man.
2: What is the undertaker's real name? I need Mark his first per- Okay. I'm I spelled that right. Question number five. Which of the following
1: superstars did not, and I repeat, did not change his name for his wrestling career? Was it Ted DiBiase, Roddy Piper,
2: R Anderson, or Steve Olsen? Did he? Ted DiBiase. All right, and John? John says the same, and he made it back on, so we got Teddy right there. Which of
1: these superstars was the first to make use of the figure-four leg lock as his finishing move? Was it Ric Flair, Greg Valentine, Shawn Michaels, or Triple H? J.D.
0: Who made it famous first, you said?
1: Who was the first to make use of it as his finishing maneuver?
0: Greg Valentine.
2: Okay, and John? John, which of this, I'll ask this question again for John.
1: Which of these superstars was the first to make use of the figure four leg lock as his finishing
2: move? Was it Ric Flair, Greg Valentine, Shawn Michaels, or Triple H? And John says Ric Flair.
1: Okay. All right, we'll respond. We got the great Valentine's, so we'll say Valentine. Question number seven. Which of the following moves which of the following moves was never used by Stone Cold Steve Austin as a finisher or signature move? Was it the stun gun, Stone Cold Stunner, the Stone Cold Slam, or the split legged groin stop Stop.
2: J.D.? <laughs> See. See. Okay, you're saying the slam. And John? John, which one of the following was never used by Stone Cold as a finisher or signature move?
1: The stun gun, the Stone Cold stunner, Stone Cold slam, or the split-legged
2: groin stomp? John says the slam as well, so we'll go along with the slam. Question number eight.
1: Which superstar has made use of the innovative move he now calls the cross-arm breaker? Is it Chris Benoit, Ric Flair, John Cena,
2: or Alberto Del Rio? J.D.?
0: Alberto Del Taco.
2: And John? John also says... Del Rio, Del Taco, whatever you want to call him, Del Burrito, there you go. Question number
1: nine. Which wrestler uses the, the capture Samoan drop on one to two opponents as a finisher move? Was it Tenzai, Ryback, Big Show, or Andre the Giant? J.D.
2: What
0: is it again? Who did what again? Sorry.
1: Which wrestler uses, or possibly or you could say used, the capture Samoan drop? on one to two opponents as a finisher move? Was it Tenzai, Ryback, Big Show, or Andre the Giant?
0: I'm going to say Tenzai.
1: Say Tenzai. Okay. And John?
2: John says Ryback. I'll do this again.
1: We landed on Ryback. Okay. Okay. Question number ten. Which of the following superstars does not use a variation of the sharpshooter
2: as a finishing
1: or signature move? Does not use a variation. Was it Bret Hart, Terry Funk, Edge, or Dory Funk,
2: Jr.? J.D.? Dory Funk, Jr. And John? John also says, "Dory Funk Jr. will say that right there." Question number eleven:
1: Which of the following WWE-based titles has Bret Hart not held, and, does, and, and this, this does not count WCW or any other promotion? Okay? okay. Which of the following WWE-based titles has Bret Hart not held? Okay. What is it? The, is it the WWE title? The United States title, the Intercontinental title, or the World Heavyweight title?
2: J.D.? The World Heavyweight title. John. John also says the World Heavyweight title. And
1: after, after we do this, I'm going to make my special announcement here. So, Question number 12. Which of the following superstars, uh, which of the the four I'm about to mention, has held the ECW, United States, Hardcore, WWE, and Tag Team Championships? Is it John Cena, the Sandman, RVD, or The Undertaker? J.D.? Taker.
2: You're saying Undertaker? Yes. Has held these belts? Yes. Okay. And John? I'll be
0: back in a sec.
1: Okay, and John is up to say Undertaker, and we'll be, and I say we have three more to go, but we'll wait for J.D. to return here. And while he does that, I'll go ahead and take care of this right here, ladies and gentlemen. 1724-444-7444. Call ID 138055-POUND. You're listening to episode 286 other mothership broadcast of the WWUS Radio Network right here on talkshoe.com, as well as of course our live video feature on the face on the Revolution Radio page on Facebook. I am once again Mr. W. S Chad Hinshaw, right here back with you. <clears throat> of course, alongside me is the Iceman JD Jared Jualamo. Of course, JD's a 2015 and 2017 WW US Hall of Famer as well as, of course, one of the hosts behind those U.S. Raw Radio. Every Monday afternoon, from 3 to 5, right here. I'm on back. Talk, uh, talk.com. Thank you very much, J.D. And also on the chat box here tonight is the human machine, John Gross, the first 2016 Hall of Famer, as well as, of course, one one of the, of course, uh, um, um, part of the Raw Radio broadcast team as well on non, on Monday afternoons. Uh <clears throat> Okay, nothing, we got three more here to go. Which super okay? Which superstar has held the ECW, WWE, and World Heavyweight Championships at different times? Is it the Big Show, Mark Henry, RVD, or John Cena? JD.
0: Cena.
2: You're saying Cena, and John. John also says Cena, okay? Question number 14. Which
1: of the following four superstars has not held the United States Championship? Is it Matt Hardy, Chris Benoit, MVP, or
2: Mark Henry? J.D.? Mark Henry. And John? John? And also says Mark Henry, we're going to say that.
1: And this one last one don't have any choices. What superstar has experienced an unprecedented sixteen world title reigns? J D.
0: Uh, John Cena.
1: Has experienced an unprecedented sixteen world title reigns.
0: Oh
2: sorry, sixteen. Rick Flair. Okay. And John. Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah. John also says Rick Flair. We're going to get that in there, and then we'll check the answers here, and
1: then I will, of course, make a make a make my special announcement here in just a just momentarily. Let's see what we have on tap right here. Question number one: JD got this right on the spot. Of course, his real name is. Paul White W I G H T. Of course, um, of course, he's been healing and facing multiple times, but of course, still a great superstar. Question number two: Hulk Hogan's real name? Yes, it is in fact Terry Bollea. Um, uh, question number three: Andre the Giant's actual last name was Rusimoff R R O U S S I M O F S. Yes.
0: I can pronounce it right though.
1: What is it? I said I couldn't pronounce it right. Yeah. That's how I pronounce it. it was Bruce Maw. So, I don't take it his real name. Yes, it is. His is Mark Callaway. Callaway spelled C-A-L-A-W-A-Y. <clears throat> uh, yes, indeed. Question number five. Which of the superstars did not change his name for his wrestling career? Yes. J.D., you have that correct. It was not that Ted DiBiase. Question number six who was the first to use the figure four leg lock? It was, indeed, Greg Valentine. Says, while Ric Flair may be famous for using the figure four, he did not originate it. Greg the Hammer Valentine is the first wrestler in WWE who used this vicious move. And he brought Tito
0: Santana's leg in the process doing that, too, if
1: you remember. As I do, indeed. That's how Greg Valentine got the belt in the first place, wasn't it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The Intercontinental title. That was title. actually
0: up in George's neck of the woods, actually.
1: That's right. Yeah, in
0: Canada, because uh, they later fought at Wrestle, and like I said, they were supposed to fight WrestleMania one. That's when JYD ended up taking over that spot. Right.
1: Other uh, wrestlers such as Shawn Michaels and Triple H have used the move here and here and there to win a few matches to to, to follow their idol, Ric Flair. Yes. Question number seven. Question number seven, which was a move never used by Stone Cold. It was, of course, the Stone Cold Slam. He never used a move called that at all, period. Question number eight. J.D. hit it right on the head. Uh, it was, in fact, Alberto Del Rio. Uh, he puts his own twist on the armbar. bar. He has made it more painful and damaging with his cross, cross arm armbreaker. Both John Cena and Chris Benoit have used variations of the STF, while Ric Flair has used a figure four leg lock. Yes. Question number nine. Believe it or not... Uh, I think I think John got this one right. It was right back to capture Samoan drop on one to two opponents. Right back has destroyed multiple opponents. This is a devastating move. While the other competitors have done similar moves, none have shown this kind of strength and domination with a Samoan drop. And, and, and I believe we're not here, of course, next, next question. Which, which of these superstars did not use a variation of the sharp sharpshooter? Both of y'all said Dory Funk, Jr. It was Terry Funk. Bob Hart used the straight and the original sharpshooter to push his opponents to submission. The other two superstars have put their own spin on it. Dory Funk, Jr. used the Cloverleaf, while Edge used the Educator sharpshooter. Terry Funk does not use a sharpshooter as his finisher.
2: Question
1: number 11, that... J.D., he got this one correct. It was the fact that he did not. The one belt that Bret Hart has not held in the WWE was, in fact, the World Heavyweight Championship. Question number 12. Which of the Bonzo Stars held the ECW, United States Hardcore, WWE, and Tag Team? Both you and John, J.D., said The Undertaker. It was Rod Van Dam. Damn, Sabu. I said on that one. Yep,
0: yep, yep, yep.
1: RVD held, held all the above for his career. John Cena and Undertaker failed to attend, attain the Hardcore Championship. Sandman never earned the United States or World Heavyweight titles. Okay. Uh, question number 13, which superstar has held the ECW, WWE, and World Heavyweight Championships at different t- times? But they all said, Cena, it was the big show. Ooh, I didn't know that. RVD lacks the World Heavyweight title. John Cena never earned the ECW title. Mark Henry's only gained the ECW World Heavyweight title belts. Big Show has earned all three. World Heavyweight belt for Big Show must have been probably considered whenever he was in WCW, maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not. That's just a guess. Number 14, of course, who has not held the U.S. belt. That is correct. It was Mark Henry. Uh, And number 15, of course... And president of sixteen world well, title reigns. It was, of course, woo, Ric Flair. So the average score for this quiz is eight out of fifteen, and you got twelve of fifteen right. So once again, a lot better than the average. Huh. So, so very, very, very well played, gentlemen. Very well played. Uh, like I said here before, ladies and gentlemen, we have, a, like I said, a very special announcement here that we wish to make here. <clears throat> of course, as as you as, as everyone remembered last year, we did a we started a, once again another trivia title, pay per view. This time, renaming it WWS Revolution Reborn. Of course, majority of our superstar uh, our superstars are well, they are superstars in their own right. <laughs> Most of our folks here in the radio network, of course did earn a lot of those championships. Uh, we did have some uh, matches, of course, on the Revolution Reborn Facebook page, which is facebook.com, forward slash groups, forward slash WSW US Revolution pay-per-view. The pay-per-view kind of went on hiatus for a long time, and it never really, it never really got off the ground a little bit further. Uh, so we are trying to get it going here again. And of course, uh, I have been in talks with a lot of the folks who have held, who are holding our belts. Of course, our folks in the radio network, of course, are always ready to have a match here at some point down the road to defend their titles, their respective belts. However, uh, we did have two or three folks that actually earned these championships.
2: Uh, have,
1: uh, who have who been not uh, heard from for quite a long time, and we have actually we started receiving some word back from two or three, from two out of the three that we that we talked to. One of which was a gentleman by the name of Ontario Hewitt, who held two of our championships here in Revolutionary Born, and that was WW the WCWS United States Championship and the NWA U.S. World Heavyweight Championship. Well, earlier today, ladies and gentlemen, some some bittersweet news. Mr. Hewitt did contact me, and he did inform me that due to circumstances beyond his control, he's had to relinquish those two two titles. So, both the WWUS United States Heavyweight Belt and the NWA U.S. World Heavyweight heavyweight belt, are now back in my possession. And we will What I way I'll be possibly way will be doing this, um where will be do I'll be doing some further talks with King and W o. R. T. Smith. But what I think we'll way we'll be doing this is is that I will possibly be having a couple be posting a couple of questions to crown uh to to, to have matches Actually, what we'll do be doing is having two, possibly two fatal full length matches, to uh, to crown uh, a new champion apiece. Um, so, so there'll be like I said, there'll be there'll be some opportunities popping on here real soon. So if you want that opportunity, be looking at the Revolution Reborn Facebook page. Like I said, it's Facebook.com/groups slash US Revolution PPV, if you want to take part in that, and we'll be doing that here really, really soon. Uh, but just like I said, it's a brief update there. That one person has relinquished their respective titles, and we will have we will have two uh, we will have two uh, several matches to determine new a new WWUS United States Champion. And a new NWA US World Heavyweight Champion. So be on the lookout for that as here within the next several days or the next week or so on that, and we'll just see where it goes from there. Uh, on that note, here, ladies and gentlemen, um, uh, of course we didn't, unfortunately, we didn't have K. W. D. R. T. Smith join us here tonight. It was kind of a pity. I'm sure eventually something did come up. I'm hoping he's okay. And uh, <clears throat> But also another programming up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, WCWUS Power Hour will still be airing, but will be airing it two hours later once again. Uh, power Hour will air at 4 o'clock uh, Saturday, uh, tomorrow afternoon. Call ID one four one pounds Join myself and the rest of the Power Trio as we talk about all the results of all the shows here on the radio network. Plus, also, we will give you our, a rundown of number of downloads for each show that we did do here this week, including numbers for our, including, uh, of course, starting with our prediction show this past Sunday, and going on through tonight's Revolution show as well.
0: And don't forget Uh Monday, folks, however, we're going to have a pretty good, exciting show for you all, however, as we will talk about the aftermath from Super Bowl Sunday, but there will be a pre-Super Bowl in a way, however, let's just say few people. However, this Monday, however, as we will be back with our thoughts of the Elimination Chamber as that is coming up one week from Sunday night. However, live on the WWE Network, live from the Talking Stick Resort Arena in Phoenix, Arizona. Of course, this Monday, however, we will talk about our thoughts early on, however, about the show. And then a week from Sunday, I'm sure we will have our thoughts about the show itself, however, as it will be a very special event there a week from this Sunday.
1: Absolutely, thank you very much, there, uh, JD, for our update about raw radio. Of course, uh, also this Sunday evening, of course, our, our my promotions uh, promotions will be of course uh, coming up as well as we of course run down what we're going to be taking care of here on each show here uh, this coming week. And of course, we'll uh, <clears throat> and of course, like I said, we'll be back, like I said, in full force next week. Of course, like I said, with all of our shows just like in the same order that we've that we've been ha- uh we've been doing in the course, which is of course WWS Radio, Rest Revisited, Revolution, uh Outside the Rubes, Rest Debate, the Bank, and then Revolution Top Hill Inc, and then WO Wolfpack, and then Revolution One More Time on next Friday. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, for the Human Surplus Machine John Gross and the Ice Man JD Jerdy Geralmo. This is Mr. W S Chad Hinchell saying thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Be sure to listen to all of our past episodes here. Uh, <clears throat> of of course, uh, we're getting our we're getting our pay, our episodes uh, up up to date here as well. The uh, Black Widow Michelle Nandaz is working on getting some of the past episodes posted in the radio archives page, and we're getting that worked on as best we possibly can. And of course, be sure to listen to a lot of our past episodes via talk show. Uh, and, of course, there's several links that we have here as well. And also be sure to check out these live videos as well, and hopefully, like I said, you'll be able to check out what, we have, what we've talked about here all this week. So, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, WWUS Revolution is a broadcast of the WWUS Radio Network right here on where We're over one year older and continuing to be bolder. <clears throat> the, radio, the Radio Network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling connection. JD and John, take care. See you in the ring. And as always, here in the radio network, we'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon, of course, at 4 o'clock with Power Hour. But uh, take care. See you in the ring. And as always, here in the WS Radio Network, God bless.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer
2: solitaire, huh? Ah. Uh.